Hey, Hawkeye fans. Uh, I know you're down in the dumps probably after tonight's 83-75 to loss uh, by the Hawkeyes to Auburn in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Hawkeyes go down for the second straight year. Uh, Kennington Smith also of the register. Uh, in the first round, um, obviously a tough way to end. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm in a working media room here, so sorry for the noise. I'll uh, I'll let you talk while the while they're shouting around me. Yeah, I think that it was by and large um, kind of the quintessential Iowa game for this season. I think it had a little bit of all of their themes in it. It had the road shooting woes. It had the cold start. It had the large deficit. It had the furious comeback. Um, Unfortunately, just for Iowa, this was one of those comebacks that didn't result in a win. But you kind of, um, you know, you look at Iowa's season ending at at 19 and 14. And I posed a question on Twitter um, just to the fans about where they kind of view this Iowa team in the big picture in terms of if it exceeded expectations, met expectations, or did not meet expectations. And um, a lot of fans chimed in um, as I'm looking at it now. Let me pull it up. Um, Over 750 votes. And majority had them at meeting expectations, 49%, 40% did not meet, and 11% exceeded. I think that um, Iowa kind of accomplished what we thought they would at the beginning of the year, a team that would make the tournament. And if they had a favorable draw, maybe they could win a game and maybe go on a little bit of run. I did think this was, um, you know, obviously a winnable game. The circumstances weren't great playing in Birmingham, but um, overall, just a a game that you kind of come to expect from Iowa after, you know, 30 some odd games. So that's kind of how I'm reacting to it. And um, you know, I'm still going through the post game videos that that you're posting. It seemed like a, a pretty emotional locker room. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just it, it's a strange thing every time. You know, you cover the, these guys' last game because you know some of these guys you've covered for six years. You know, like Connor McCaffrey, or uh, you know, and then even just Chris Murray. I mean, just has just think of the year we've had with him. He's been answering so many questions, and you know his eyes were red and, and with tears. And, and Patrick McCaffrey talking about, you know, just his, uh, you know, it was a hard year for him, you know, mentally. And uh, he talks about that. Uh, talked about what it's going to be like without Connor next year. And then, uh, you know, Connor McCaffrey, you know, I thought played a, a great final game as a Hawkeye and uh, left it all out there. Obviously, it came up short. Uh, but interestingly, Kennington, it was Connor's three, like at the end of the shot clock, like early in the second half, that broke the broke the seal basically on top of the rim for the Hawkeyes. Then they kind of got hot. I mean, that's Peyton Sanford. We talked about it uh, all week. You know, should he get more minutes? Well, he he scored 21 points in 22 minutes. Uh, gets uh, 17 of them in the second half. You're right. This team just did keep coming. It obviously doesn't take away from the disappointment, um, but uh, it really was a story of the year. I say they probably met expectations, but obviously just because we kind of thought they were like a fringe team to make the field, uh, I kind of thought they would be an NCAA tournament team. I thought they would do better. Like I, I kind of thought they might make a run, but uh, you know, probably met expectations, but the way it ended, I think, is disappointing because you go into Indiana and win by 22 points, and that ends up being the last time you win a game 
all season. That's hard to believe, is it not? I mean, that yeah. was so, so long ago. It's like, how did we end up here kind of thing? Like, so triumphant that win and the number two seed in the Big Ten was theirs for the taking, and things kind of bottomed out from there. And it's kind of interesting where you said, you know, they met the expectations, and at the end it kind of ended on a sour note because there have been some fans – tweeting me back and asking me if all three are an option because it kind of felt like all of them were, were encapsulated into the season. Like, it, you know, they were meeting them at the beginning and then going into big 10 play seemed like they weren't going to be a tournament team. And then they kind of go on this January run, February, they start playing well. And it's like, okay, maybe this team can kind of exceed what we thought and cross that 20 game mark and finish second in the big 10. And then obviously it ended the way that it did. So a lot of highs and lows throughout this season. And I think that Patrick made a great point where he said that this team has been through a lot. And when you look at the entire scope of the season, obviously it was a disappointing end, but I think that this team de deserves a lot of credit for how they just kind of stuck together and battled throughout the season. I mean, Chris Murray, broken foot injury, missed multiple games. Connor missed um, the Eastern Illinois game that ended up being a loss. Obviously, Patrick has been was out for nearly a month. Peyton Sanford shooting slump. Tony Perkins battled nagging injuries throughout the year. Josh Agundale, uh missed over a, a month of time as well. So the team had been through a lot, and there were probably very few games this year where it seemed like everybody was healthy and at full tilt, most of them early on in the year. So I do think the team deserves credit for how they've kind of battled together. I think resiliency is probably the way that I will remember this team, just a team that's kind of, you know, been through a lot and just kind of stuck with it and, you know, found their way into the tournament. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a mix, right? Everything is a mix mm -hmm. with this team. Everything is <laughs> uh, because yeah, I don't know if you watched Peyton Sanford's video yet, but uh, you know, he basically said, you know, you think back to the game before Christmas, the Eastern Illinois game. I mean, when they lost that game, none of us thought they would make – I mean, I wouldn't say – didn't think they'd make the tournament for sure, but, like, you're starting to think, what's going on? And they lose to Nebraska, lose to Penn State, you know, 0-3 in the Big Ten. Um, so, yeah, that, it was a good accomplishment to get this far. But at the same time, I understand the frustration. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you have Luca Garza – Keegan Murray and Chris Murray and Joe Wieskamp throwing him in there too over a four-year stretch. And you you win one NCAA tournament game in a bubble, uh, you know, against Grand Canyon. That's that's the only first-round win you got from that those four years. Obviously, one year they didn't have the tournament, but still, uh, it's disappointing to have that. And now, you, you know, we can talk about it now or later, but – I mean, this is going to be a rebuilt team next year. It's going to be a totally new team next year. Chris Murray saying, you know, right off the top, he's like, that's not how I wanted to go out. Um, and then he, later I asked him, you know, you're, you're definitely gone, right? And he's like, ah, I'm just going to take a few weeks and whatever. But Fran even said that in the post game, you know, that he expects Chris to be gone. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, I think it's a foregone conclusion here. But uh, I'm just saying, like, this is kind of the end of an era, and they did not – get done what they needed to get done in March Madness. And that's going to linger with Fran McCaffrey, with McCaffrey brothers, with, you know, Luca, with Keegan, with Chris. They None of them got them to that sweet 16. Yeah, obviously that's the, the frustrating part. And it does kind of pose a kind of a question of if not now, or if not last year or a few years ago, then when, I mean, I don't know 
the next time that I was going to have four NBA players on one roster like they did with Luca and the Murrays and Joe Wieskamp or have a run of All-Americans in a row or first-team All-Big Ten players in a row. Um, obviously, I was done well with talent development. Obviously, taking you know these guys and turning them into great players, and Iowa has a really good recruiting class this year. But it does kind of um, you know pose the question or the thought of missed opportunities in these last um, few years, especially last year with the winnable field of Richmond and um, Providence in that in that seating, and then this one Auburn um, was a winnable matchup. Obviously, Houston would have been a tough matchup, and they're battling a 16 seed right now. And, and Northern Kentucky. So you feel like this might've been a missed opportunity as well. So I definitely understand the frustrations and it is going to be um, a rebuild next year and a significant off season. I think for Fran McCaffrey, you think about last season and the work that he tried to do in the portal to bring in um, a, a big man on the front line, they are not going to be able to afford to have the same losses on the transfer portal recruiting trail that they had last year, this year, they're losing, you know, three frontline starters in the front court, the three best players um, on the team you can make the case for. And past that, um, there's going to be a lot of question marks about who's going to return on this team. Who's going to be the number one player. What type of, you know, how's the, how's the, the roster makeup going to look, who are they going to play through? They're going to play through the post. Are they going to be more of like a guard oriented wing team? I mean, um, a lot of questions to, to be answered um, for friend and the coaching staff in the coming months. Yeah, I mean, in the post game, you know, France said, "Yeah, we got we got one scholarship left. We're going to go in the portal." But obviously, you expect there's going to be more. There's always attrition in some way, shape, or form. Um, so you, I mean, it is it is the era where you can rebuild a team very quickly. So that could be, I think you're right, Kennington. That it could be the off season of the portal if Fran wants it to be and has a few roster spots and you know can can attract guys that want to have a, a fresh start, but. But, uh, you know, we will see. Um, let's just unpack this game just a little bit more, just since it was uh, since it's still pretty fresh. Uh, you know, uh, Peyton Sanford, you know, 21 points, 8 of 16 from the floor. Chris Murray, just 5 of 18. Um, you know, it wasn't the game he wanted to have. You know, he did get going from three a little bit late. Uh, you know, they, they did a good job on him, and we, we wondered – with Auburn's athletic defense, what they would be able to do. I thought the game was very physical, but I also thought that the I thought the officiating was completely fair. I didn't see any anything negative there. Um, uh, you know, Philip Abracha fourteen, Murray fifteen, Connor nine, Perkins eight. Didn't have the Perkins was minus twelve. Uh, you know, fouled out. So he, he had a little bit of a tough game, I feel like. But uh, I don't know what you see maybe from from Iowa, from afar. I'm kind of, you know, I feel like I was trying to type my story a lot in the second half. So what did you, you see back home? Yeah, um, I saw a very physical play by Auburn's defense. And this was something that we talked about on the radio show was what about Auburn was most concerning in this matchup? And for me, it was their depth and their athleticism. You look at the box score, they played 11 guys. A lot of different bodies that they threw at Chris Murray. I mean, Auburn has guys on the stat sheet who didn't score um, a point, but just the, the way that they were playing defense on Chris was significant. You could see every time he's coming off of a screen, there was very little separation between him and an Auburn defender. Every time he grabbed the ball, there was somebody there and held defense, you know, double teaming, triple teaming, surrounding him. 
there wasn't a lot of um, movement on Iowa's side in the half court to kind of free him up. I think that he was getting a little bit frustrated with the physical play. And maybe there were some calls that he thought, um, you know, should have been called that that weren't called and kind of took him out of the game a little bit. It didn't help that Iowa wasn't able to shoot the ball well in the first half. And a point that you brought up in your Sanford column about wanting to put him into the lineup is if the backcourt is not scoring. All that does is allow for opposing teams to put even more focus on Chris. And that's exactly how it played out, um, especially in the first half. Um, Aaron Euless went scoreless for the majority of the game. Um, you know, like you said, Connor had nine, but really wasn't attempting many outside shots. Tony, four of 12. There just wasn't a lot of space on the court. And when you're allowed to, as a as a defense athletic as them, you know, kind of clamp down in the post, like put a lot of bodies on Chris, then it's going to make things tough for, for Iowa's offense. I think that the emergence of Sanford obviously opened things up more in the second half. You saw Chris being able to, to get a few more open shots and some looks started to fall from him. But that's really what I saw from Auburn's defense. I mean, Phillip had 14 to seven. I think that's a really impressive stat line considering who he went up against in Broom, who was um, dominant today with his double-double. He had several blocks, um, a lot of them on, um, you know, five blocks, Tony, three of them on Tony, I believe, who was, who was trying to be aggressive and drive to the hoop when things weren't falling from outside. But, um, you know, Broom was there as an eraser inside. So the fact that Phillip was able to get 14 to seven, I believe on five and nine shootings, an impressive feat from him. But overall, Auburn was just uh, more physical. It seemed like the athleticism defensively was kind of overwhelming for, for Iowa a little bit. And that was kind of the, the difference, I feel like, in, you know, Iowa's offensive execution versus Auburn's defense. Yeah, four, yeah, four of those five blocks actually were on Tony Perkins. So <laughs> kind of crazy. <laughs> Uh, it's tough. It's, uh, it's a tough day when uh, a guard gets blocked four times by by a center. Uh, let's go one last topic here, Kennington, and it was one that I think, you know, I think privately, you know, I don't think I was super ha- happy that they had to play basically a road game here. Now, again, private. I don't. They they are not making excuses, one hundred percent. But I will say from being here. I even I like I even wrote about like oh is this going to be a real big road crowd or whatever, but being here it was definitely it was definitely a road game. I mean there was yeah. like you looked at, like all you, you thought like Alabama fans would be here rooting for Iowa. There's like no Alabama fans in the stands. Like those Alabama fans, they won the game this morning and they sold their their late night session tickets to Auburn fans, right? And made and made their money back, you know, on uh, StubHub or wherever. So. I mean, this was this was absolutely a road game, and you know, I, I think it's a fair question to say. Number one, was that fair? No, Iowa did not earn much respect in the bracket based on the way it finished, 100%. But at the same time, you know, Houston's going to be playing a road game here, also as a one seed, right, on Sunday, assuming they win or Saturday. So it is a real strange move by the committee, especially because Auburn was the lower seat. I mean, if they just made Auburn the eight and Iowa the nine, it wouldn't be as big of a question, I guess. But like they actually made the lower seed the home team. And uh, anyway, so I asked this question to Fran. I said, what if this game was in Des Moines, would the result have been different? And I said, I know it's probably a dumb question or whatever. And he's like, no, it's not a dumb question. It would have been. And there's no question it would have been, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, this crowd was nuts. You could feel it from TV. So I know you could feel it inside the arena. When they went on that run to go up 17 points, it felt like they were in, I don't know the name of Auburn's arena, but it felt like they were in Auburn, Alabama, right? The way that Auburn was just able to jumpstart and just get that momentum, just knocking down threes confidently. It's called Auburn. Thank you, Dargan. Our producer says it's called Auburn Arena. Um, I don't know if that's a joke or not, but um, <laughs> but I mean, you could just feel the confidence coming off of, okay, not a joke. Cool. So you could just feel the confidence coming off of Auburn in the second half. All it took was one shot to fall and they were just kind of feeding off of the crowd. Um, Katie Johnson in particular, who was kind of a spark plug off the bench, almost to a, a fault kind of playing up to the crowd. He was laid back on defense a few times, but Auburn was definitely um, off of that crowd and they were into it. And I think it is a, a fair point of if I was in Des Moines, would it have been a, a different outcome? Because it definitely would have been, um, you know, a pro Iowa crowd. And we know how well they shoot when they have their kind of fans at their backs. So I think it's a fair question. I definitely think that the crowd affected the game. And as the game went on and it kind of felt like a, um, a game that Auburn kind of wanted to play in like a, a scrappy kind of like drag it out game, the crowd got more and more into it. And in the second half, they really made their difference. And that's kind of when Auburn pulled away. Yeah, let me read you a quote here, uh, if I can find it. Yeah, it's Auburn's Alan Flanagan says, uh, the hometown, they came in deep and heavy. They showed out. They was loud and rowdy all game. Felt like a home game for us. <laughs> so there you have it uh, from the Auburn players. And their home arena only seats 9,000. I just looked yeah. it up. Uh, so this was actually like twice the size almost of, of their usual crowd. So, and again, it was it was full house and, and very loud. Again, Iowa players not making excuses, but I'm just pointing out the fact that it was a, a partial environment for sure uh, for, for a nine seed uh, in a tournament. Uh, that's all I got, man. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, uh, I got more writing to do. So uh, stay tuned for my column uh, probably in the morning, I guess. But uh, once you once you give the final word here, Kennington, uh, I'll sign off. Chad Lysico, Kennington, you you take it out, take it out, man. Thanks yeah. for a great. Hey, by the way, thanks for a great season together. Yeah, man. Thank, thanks for picking. Thanks for picking me up when I was injured. Uh, you know, we go through this together too, and uh, uh, you know, it's kind of it's always sad when it's over, just because uh, you know, it'd be fun to cover Sweet Sixteen once in my life or her final four. But, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Just wanted to say thanks before I let it go. So you you take it from here, yeah. man, and uh, take us out. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for for all of that. And um, you know, year two is in the books, like football and basketball. So this is year two for us. Um, so overall, like um, really interesting season to cover. Um, a lot of different storylines throughout the year, the ebbs and flows, and just kind of like riding the highs and lows in a way with the team um, was something that was notable. I think for me. Usually when we kind of do these like takeouts, I always seem to like look down the road in more big picture. And I just think that this loss brings Iowa into a really interesting point in their basketball trajectory where they're kind of in this place where they are a a very good team, a solid team that's going to make the tournament. But you kind of wonder when are they going to hit that next gear and become a second weekend type of team. Um, it's a bit of an end of an era with the, the players who have been in the program for several years. And now there's an opportunity to kind of bring in a new era. And maybe that is um, jump started by some players who are currently on other teams or just entered into the portal. So 
Um, even though it's about to be the offseason for basketball, I definitely think this um, the interest and the intrigue around the team is only going to increase. Um, so for that reason, um, I'm really kind of excited to see what um, Fran and the coaching staff do with this team going into the offseason and what type of team they'll field next year. Thanks, Ken. Thanks again. Iowa wrestlers five into the quarterfinals. Uh, stay tuned for them. And I know you and Dargan got the women tomorrow uh, at Carver Hawkeye while I try to make my way back. So uh, we'll talk to you. That we'll talk to you guys soon. Talk to you soon, Kennington. Mm-hmm. Thanks to our uh, listeners for joining us. Uh, good night.